Welcome to the journey through Mark. Hey, we're kicking off another journey series where we read through one book of the Bible. This is Tyler Hoff. I'm here with Brendan Lang, who wrote the commentary for this book. And wow, never expected that we were going to be kicking off a journey series while we kicked off some sort of limitation on church gatherings. Yeah, this is crazy, isn't it? It is really nuts. I didn't expect it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, these are wild times. And I think we're blessed in some ways as a church because we have the opportunity to gather together and engage and share with one another through avenues like this. But I mean, just to lift the veil, to let the wizard out of the, you know, a lot of the podcasts you're going to hear over the next 20 days, we've already recorded these. Yeah, we're like a week or two in advance of recording them. So give a little help to our editing team. There. Yeah. But we recognize that this crazy virus, the coronavirus, COVID-19, has had to really dramatically change the landscape of... Change how we do church, really. Change how we do church, yeah. But the unique thing about this is no matter where you are, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, if they're letting you back there, or if you're traveling for spring break or something, the cool thing is we're all still reading and studying yeah. the same thing. We're all coming together around the same topics, the same ideas. And it is a unique way to worship in a different way than we're used to. Yep. And so, again, and we're going to invite you to continue to join us, listen to these podcasts with us, read the word with us. But we hope the book of Mark will challenge you, challenge us to learn how to engage the world we live in, how to embrace faith in the midst of fear. And not only that, that it might give us a breath of fresh air. I think it's a really scary time and for good reason, but we seem to be bombarded with news about all these things being canceled. And it's like... It is really isolating yeah. too. An aspect of this is, you know, so that people don't spread disease, they all want to be isolated. But yeah. the unique thing about this is we are all bonded together in a yeah. community and we can share what we're learning, what we're discovering all together and we're going to be with you all along the way. Keep reading with us. Keep listening with us. Stay engaged. Stay engaged with your community and excited for these next four weeks. Here comes day one. Starts today. In Mark 1.1, it says the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Today, Mark kicks off his version of the Jesus story with a bold claim, one that would make most of the world hate him even more than they already did. This is day one. Welcome to the Journey Through Mark podcast, where every day we set aside space in our lives to experience God's Word. Together, we'll discuss the context and meaning of each passage and how the book of Mark can help us understand more about who God is and the story he's writing for each of us every day. Welcome back to the Journey podcast. I'm here once again with Brendan Lang, author of the Journey books, theologian, breakfast lover. <laughs> Melissa, what else that's did they need to know about Brendan? Uh, he's from Iowa. I don't yes. know if we didn't know. We Grew up said on that. a farm. That's, that's too well known. He's our farm guy. Yeah, Lover everybody of cows. Loves cows. Jenny. Aww, Jenny. Came out. Jenny. Do you remember last season? Jenny was a popular item. She you know, was. Conversation. Yeah. What else do we know about Brendan? He's very wise. He's very wise in a very humble way. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. A and that's why we have to give him. That's, that's why you got to stop right there. And <laughs> I, I got to keep like trying to push him a little bit just yes. so he actually takes ownership for what he's able to do for the rest of the world. So Absolutely. But I'm here with Melissa too, yes. who is our Hi. student life pastor. Good job. You got I it. Got it. It took me a whole 20 days of podcasting <laughs> last time to figure it out, but here we That's are. That's amazing. I'm so proud of Melissa you. Melissa is our country light. <laughs> <laughs> Voice? Yes. She's from Nashville. <laughs> hey, y'all. <laughs> that's not the light at all. That, that wasn't is, light. That was that's full on. In, yeah. Yep. Melissa's great. She likes to have a good time. Well, thanks. Loves to yep. hang out with students. A lot of fun. Excited Helped. to be here. Great heart. Helped write the student book. Oh, thanks. And I'm Tyler. I'm the creative director. I'm the host of this thing. Crazy thing. Whatever this thing is. <laughs> this conversation. Took a lot of great photos. Yes. 
a lot of visual inspiration for mm-hmm. the book. The one who really kind this of came up with the whole. Yeah, right, well. He's the creative. He's supposed to make it fun. Behind it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to make it fun. Yeah. At your expenses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ask some really weird questions. Sometimes. I try. I do my best. Keep us on our toes. And what are we doing this time? We are doing a journey through the Gospel of Mark. Well, I have a question about the Gospel of Mark to start us off, actually. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Because that's the first question that comes to your mind when you read the book of Mark. <laughs> yeah, I was that. reading it, and the first I thing that, that I thought was, was like, like, what's the weirdest thing that I've ever eaten? Hmm. Oh, i got to figure this out. When I was in Peru, I was served guinea pig. Are you serious? What? Yeah. Like the children's pet? Yes. <laughs> like what I had in second grade that runs on a little, you know. It's not the same one. It wasn't the same one because that one okay. died when I was a child. But no, guinea pig is like rare and they really like it. And so it was served and we couldn't be rude. And that's usually the situation. So isn't I it? just kind of like nibbled on its leg because uh, I didn't uh, want to get into the, the, leg? the real body of the guinea <laughs> <laughs> the guinea body the pig part so i figured if i just like chewed a little bit of the meat off of his leg then mm-hmm. that would suffice and then i ate a lot of rice that sounds horrible yeah it was bad <laughs> brendan what about you what about you guys i don't know what the weirdest thing because i like weird foods so like <laughs> go on well i mean i've never had guinea pig that might top it mm. I mean, when you ask that, the first thing I think of is stuff I've had like in Nashville, where <laughs> Melissa's from. So, what is that? You know, the foreign country of Nashville. <laughs> that, that's right. Really out there. Wait, what did you have in Nashville? Well, it wasn't that, that was weird, but it weird. was, it's not really that weird. Like alligator. Oh, yeah. So that's normal uh-huh. in the South. What? But I, not up here. I it's a ate reptile. That in Florida. Alligator. You never had it in Nashville, though? No. When you live there? No. That's <laughs> the home of alligator meat. Didn't no. you know that? <laughs> Alligators in Nashville. I'm just saying I had it there. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know. Frog legs. Mm-hmm. You've had frog legs? Did they're you like fishy, frog legs? They're like fishy, chickeny. Yeah. I mean, I don't know okay. if I would get them again, but I yeah, like, I mean, I like most, to try Have some. you had snake? No, You've, I haven't You're tried kind that. of in this reptile family. Yeah, I have so. not had that. You got to yeah. check all those boxes with all the reptiles. <laughs> None of this is Have you had kosher, any dinosaurs lately? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. And what was your favorite, salt or freshwater crocodile? Was that? Could you tell the difference? I didn't have those options. It's alligator, man. not crocodile. I just assumed you were a connoisseur of reptiles at this point. Oh, my goodness. Just one. Weirdest what about thing, you, Tyler? Weirdest thing I had was in Cambodia. Mm. Yeah. And they gave me balut. Balut? Which is like, you know if you have eggs... They're like, just eggs. There's egg and a yolk and egg white. Mm -hmm. And you like scramble them up, right? Like from a chicken? Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. if you have chicken, it's a chicken. Mm -hmm. Balut is exactly halfway (gasps) between it. So like... I've seen that before. It's like a bird that's about to be born, but isn't. Mm. And there's still some like egg white in there. Mm -mm. And they like boil it and then you eat it. And And then isn't he still like kind of in fetal position? Yeah, like sometimes there's... And you gotta like take the beak off and... It's there's some. Is bones. it like a soup or no, do no, no, you? No. How do it's, you? It's like a hard-boiled egg, but there's a baby bird in it. And I had like a bite. That was the worst bite of food I've had. I mean, it's a delicacy. Some people love it. I think we might hear. It's from not my cup of tea. I'll just say that people that love chicken and they're gonna love animals. Yes, in they're gonna I mean, talk I'm, out I'm against with them. you. It's just a cultural thing, and I didn't want to offend anybody. No, and I hear you. I hear you on that one. It's kind of a rite of passage, apparently. That's the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Mm. That sounds just awful. But I don't know. Why are we talking about food, Tyler? Well, Weird you things. could have grown up on a fresh diet of locusts and honey, mm. like John the Baptist, which is mm. like two verses into our reading today. Yeah, pretty close. That's really what 
confused me a mm-hmm. bit. I was like, why did this guy include this? But Mark is an interesting book. Brendan, is. why is Mark the thing that we're doing as a church now for our journey series? Mm. So there are a lot of reasons. I mean, it's not simple as one, but we want to do a study leading up to Easter. And naturally, studying a gospel makes great sense. Studying a book about the life of Jesus that culminates in his crucifixion and resurrection just as we're celebrating the Easter season. We knew that would be a great choice. We also know Mark is a really timely book, I think, in a lot of ways for Mm -hmm. where we are as a country, where we are as Christians living in the 21st century. And so I think there are a lot of really important lessons we get about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in the world today. Mm -hmm. I think Mark's a unique book, too, because most people believe it was actually the first gospel. So even just the way it was written is somewhat unique, right? The majority of scholars would say that this was the first book probably written, some people think it's a little bit early, like the 50s. Probably a majority would say it was written in the late 60s, maybe the early 70s. We're sometime. not talking like 1950s. 19, no. Right? <laughs> like I know. I was 50 thinking... 50 AD. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like somewhere I was in... thinking the same thing. Brendan <laughs> operates in like biblical I, time. Yeah. He doesn't actually yeah. know much about yeah. recent history. Like, that, that is true. Always thinking BC, um, AD. BC, AD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so this is 60s, 70s, potentially AD, or close to the time of the destruction of the temple, which happened in 70 AD. And scholars who look at the Greek texts and the manuscripts and things like this of the different, what we call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is not one of these because it's a little bit different. These gospels all say a lot of pretty similar things about Jesus. And when you compare them, the best evidence suggests that Mark came before those two books and those two books used Mark as one of their sources Mm. for Mm. writing their own stories about the life of Jesus. Mm. I think the interesting thing for me reading Mark too is just how like candid it is. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of like narrative embellishment. There's Mm -hmm. not a lot of stuff like you'd see in Luke or you'd see from like Homer or something like that Mm. or a Greek writer. You know, it's not one of those big epic tales. It's more of a thematic account Mm-hmm. of what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely way more concise. It's the shortest of the Gospels. It's another reason why people would say it's the first, because it naturally, with the other stories, you see the gos- other Gospel writers sort of adding on and putting their own spin, you might say, mm-hmm. on some of these stories. Not that those spins aren't accurate, but every Gospel has its own purposes. Every Gospel writer had their own sort of reasons why they wanted to write their story of mm-hmm. Jesus. We believe they're all true, that they tell the same story, the Gospel, about the life of Jesus, but they always have their own emphases for their own audiences. Just like in our world, if I was to tell a story about what I ate for lunch or experienced, you know, we had a fun yeah. trip to La Taquiza today for tacos. And if I was to tell that to Tyler, the way I might describe that story would be different than I would describe it to my wife. And yeah. so that's what we see a lot of times with the Gospels. I hope it would be somewhat similar. <laughs> what would you tell so differently? Yeah, what details would you tell me that you All right, wouldn't well, That tell may not wife. be the best example, but my, my point is the ways we tell stories are going to change based on our own interests and our audiences. That's mm-hmm. true. Yep. Yeah, that's very true. Well, how this works is every day we break down some history behind the scripture passage. Yep. We read a short excerpt that Brendan has written in the book read a short excerpt of scripture to go along with it. And then we have some reflection questions. And then in the podcast, we'll come back and talk about those things. But to kick us off and to get us started with that stuff, Brendan, why don't you take us through our commentary for today? Day one, the beginning of the gospel. The book of Mark begins with a short one-line introduction that serves as a title for the entire work. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark 1.1. 1, 1. 
It's brief, but this introduction makes an extravagant claim that would have been striking to those reading it in Mark's time. Around the time this book was written, the word translated as good news, or sometimes gospel, was commonly used to describe the lives and achievements of Roman emperors. Roman messengers would travel around proclaiming good news about things like a royal birth, an emperor's ascension to the throne, or an emperor's victory in battle. One particular inscription known as the Priene calendar inscription calls Caesar Augustus, the first Roman emperor, a god, and describes his birth as the beginning of the good news for the world. Mark's introduction, which uses virtually identical vocabulary, would have stood out to readers in this context. It makes the claim that this book shares good news about an alternative king. This was an explosive claim. It would have been considered even more subversive if the book of Mark was written from Rome, as a majority of scholars believe. This alternative gospel about an alternative king would have been proclaimed from the capital of Caesar's empire. We will discover as we read through this gospel that Jesus was no ordinary rival to the Roman emperor. Unlike typical competitors, he didn't rise to his throne through conspiracy, coup, or stabbing Caesar in the back. Instead, Jesus claimed his crown through an act so unconventional that not even his closest companions saw it coming. In doing so, he established a kingdom unlike any the world has ever seen. This is truly good news, and it's the gospel that Mark invites us to read. For day one, we're reading Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Melissa, do you want to take us through our reflection questions for day one? First question. In Mark 1, 14 through 15, Jesus proclaims the good news, or gospel. How does Jesus define the gospel in his own words? How does this compare to how you have defined the gospel in the past, and why might this be good news? Second question, how do you hope to grow through your journey through Mark experience? Spend some time in prayer with God and ask that He might use this book to challenge, shape, and inspire you. You know, the interesting thing about this gospel is that the details of like birth and death are less prominent than the other ones. Like mm. 
there was they're not there. There, there was nothing. Well, the, the, death, the death is there. The death is there. But like, where did Jesus come from? Oh, right. he was. You know, they talked about who was going to come before him in Isaiah, and that's yeah. how you know that was it. There's no like manger scene. Yeah, of that it's just like Jesus is on the scene, just showing up. So why is this not there? <laughs> why is this like? Why don't that's we get? Mark is just like where's the origin story the for point. Jesus? <laughs> the origins, especially if this is like the first one, right? Joseph Campbell, right? Because this is the first one, it makes a little bit more sense why we don't have it and why you would see it. Let's say in the other gospels, right? Matthew and Luke, which depend at least in part on Mark, they have their own origin stories. Although those are different too. When you compare them, they say different things about Jesus, and again, things that don't contradict, just things that get a different emphasis they want to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, just to give you an example with Matthew. One of Matthew's main points is that Jesus is, he's a new Moses is the way he's sort of depicted. He's also a little bit like a new Israel. In a lot of ways, the way I like to think about this is he's a walking, talking tour. He fulfills scripture. And so the opening stories you get in the book of Matthew, it shows how Jesus's life from birth to his early ministry parallels things you see in the storyline of scripture. So in Matthew 1, you get this genealogy. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And that word genealogy, it's actually the Greek word Genesis. And it parallels in a lot of ways the book of Genesis. And then you move on. You remember this story about how Herod the Great tries to kill the infants in Bethlehem. This is the same thing Pharaoh does Mm -hmm. to infants in Egypt. So you have Jesus going to Egypt, just like the Israelites spent some time in Egypt. You also have Jesus being baptized in the water, which parallels how the Israelites came through the Red Sea. He also spends 40 days in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. which the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness. You see all these parallels, which show how Jesus is a lot like Israel. He's fulfilling the storyline of scripture, fulfilling Israel's purpose. Mark is getting at something different. And right from the get-go, Mark makes this bold claim about Jesus. He says in Mark 1.1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, which is a really explosive claim. We talked about this and the commentary. We might unpack this a little bit more in a moment, but he goes on and says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. And then he gives a quotation, which interestingly isn't just from Isaiah. Yeah. It's actually a combination of quotations that come from Malachi. There might be an allusion to Exodus here and also Isaiah 40, verse 3. That's the most prominent verse he wants to highlight. And it's because what Mark wants to show us through the whole book is that Jesus's ministry, what he comes and does, his establishment of the kingdom of God, which he proclaims here in verse 15, is a fulfillment of God's promises that we get, especially in Isaiah 40 through 55. It Mm. triggers for those who are familiar with what's going on in Isaiah 40 through 55. Which is like all the Jewish people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because they like know all this stuff by heart, right? Exactly. A lot of times we'll read things like this and think that the specific verse that he's quoting is exactly what he wants to get at. And he quotes this verse in part because he's going to go on and talk about how John the Baptist is in the wilderness. sort of a weird dude. Yeah, he's a weird dude (laughs) doing weird things. Eating weird stuff. Preparing the way for Jesus. But really, Mark wants us to start thinking about this section of Isaiah. If we go down a few verses to Isaiah 40, verse 9, we get this word gospel, good news. Again, it's Hebrew, but it's still the same word, essentially. It says, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. That's the gospel in Isaiah 40. Later on, Isaiah 52 also talks about the gospel. The gospel there is that your God reigns. Mm. So you put those together. Mm -hmm. The gospel in Isaiah is that God is here and God is king. That's a major part of what 
Mark wants to show about Jesus, that God has come through Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's declaring he is king. The kingdom of God is near, Mark 1, 15. But what's so fascinating also about Jesus and the way he is king is that he becomes king through an act of suffering. Isaiah 53 talks about this suffering servant, and that's at the heart of what Jesus accomplishes here while he's on earth. It's how he becomes king through an act of suffering on a cross. And so all these themes that we see in Isaiah 40 through 55, Mark wants us to begin to think about and see how Jesus fulfills God's promises through him. So the manger scene, not as important. (laughs) (laughs) Not as important for what Mark wants to do. It's important Mm -hmm. for what Luke wants to do, but not Mark. Sure. So if this is the first gospel written, why is it not the first one in the Bible? Like, why wouldn't it be like Mark, Matthew, Luke, John? Hmm. That's a good question. That would confuse me on my song when I had to memorize all the New Testaments, you know? Do you want to sing Oh, no, I think I'm good. Okay, okay. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Oh, thanks, Brandon. (laughs) The singer. Brandon wants to sing. I was just wondering if you actually had the same melody. Yeah. So (laughs) we'll talk about that later, okay? So this is a good question. My understanding of this is that many of the early church fathers, Augustine especially, believed that Matthew was written first. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so you just, that's how you get it. Hmm. I would also say that the idea that Mark was the first book, this is more recent biblical scholarship that's drawn Mm. that conclusion. The kind of work that biblical scholars are doing in the last 200 years is a little bit different than what you saw in the first 1800 years of church history. So there's some church tradition mixed in with history and like scientific accuracy that goes into all of it. Yeah. And also, this is something I haven't really processed, just to be totally candid, Mm -hmm. but A major theme you see in the New Testament is that Jesus came to the Jews first and then to To, the Gentiles. mm -hmm. Yeah, He's Israel's king, and through Israel, he will save the whole world, Gentiles Mm -hmm. included. In the book of Matthew, it's very clear that it's written to an audience of people who are primarily Mm -hmm. Jewish. The book of Mark was written, most scholars believe, in the city of Rome, where you have Jewish and major Gentile population. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it that way, just a theological way to think about how the canon has been put together. First, you have a gospel that's been written to Jews, and second, you have a gospel that's been written to Jews and Gentiles. So that's another way to think about it. It's a good question. I don't know. We're not going around and changing the canon either at this point. So Yeah. Yeah. I think that the message is clear, regardless of like what order you read it in, just because it's something that is unfamiliar. This might be the first time that you've heard that this would come first or was written first, you know, yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. really change the message well, of it. And I would add that it's not like it was written 30 years before right. 50 years. It was written like a matter of years before, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know, a handful of years. And so like maybe some months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are lots of theories about when these were written and again, how they use different sources and depended on each other, mm-hmm. but there's not a major difference. Well, so we want to set up the whole idea of Mark and like the things you've touched on what his big purpose mm-hmm. for writing this account is. But one of the things that sticks out to me in this first day of reading is how many times they say good news. Yeah. Like if there was a counter, even just like on this this recording so far, I feel like we've said it like 82 times. Yeah. We've said it, they only said it two times. <laughs> it feels like way more than that. It, it feels does. like a lot. Yeah. And I don't really know what that means. What is the good news, the gospel, that's the same word? Yeah. What does that mean? What should we be taking from it? Even like reading the scripture, the good news that they're talking about, but what should that mean for us today too? So just stepping back, talking about our English language words, the word gospel It means the same thing as good news. So you see different translations say gospel, others say good news. Mm -hmm. They mean the same thing. That's at least what they're supposed to mean, speaking very literalistically. They are translations of a Greek word that also means literally good 
news. And the hmm. NIV puts good news here because, again, that's just the most literal translation you can get. And this is why I think looking at what Jesus says here and mm -hmm. also what Mark says in both verses 1 and verse 15 of today's reading are really important. Because when we think, especially people who've been around church for a while, when we think about the gospel, I think we bring a lot of baggage to it. I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> These ideas of what the gospel is, mm -hmm. like we know we should share the gospel with people, but what actually are we sharing? What's well, this idea of like, we need to go and change people's minds so yeah. they align mm -hmm. with my view of the gospel. Yeah. Sometimes you ask students what the gospel is and they're like, Matthew, Mark. Luke, John, yeah. you know. And those <laughs> just think it's the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. think it's the books, yeah. And actually, in some ways, that's closer because, I mean, that is what they are. They are mm -hmm. gospels, and what they are doing is they're telling a story about the life of Jesus and how he inaugurated the kingdom of God on earth through mm -hmm. his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Mm -hmm. Inaugurated is a fun word. Especially <laughs> being in like an election year. A little trying bit. To, uh, wow. Trying to allude to something. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Don't well, spoil it. We'll get to it. <laughs> we have other days. We'll talk about that later, but it is is interesting timing that this is an election year. It is. And we're talking about the book of Mark because there are a lot of parallels and also things that are said during the first century that yeah. really apply to how we view leadership and how we view government oh, and man. how we view yeah. people who we think should represent us. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out the right way to describe this, but I think of Mark as being a book that's both political and not political because it confronts mm. political structures of the day. In this very first verse, we talk about this in the commentary, that the Roman emperors had gospels they proclaimed, that their kingdoms were established. They were described as the sons of God, this inscription we talked about in the commentary. It uses these same words, the beginning of the good news, to talk about Augustus Caesar, how his birthday mm -hmm. was the beginning of the good news for the world because of what he would accomplish for the world. Hmm. And Mark picks up on this kind of language and uses it to talk about Jesus and says, actually, there's good news, but it's located in this person named Jesus mm -hmm. who's hanging out in a very different place than Rome. But going back to that question you asked, like, what is the gospel? If you look simply at what Jesus says here in verses 14 and 15, it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And here's the good news. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. When we think about the good news, oftentimes I think we're thinking about like the atoning death of Jesus. Yeah, how Jesus, died, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, how he died for our sins. Yeah. And I'm forgiven. And so I get to go to heaven when I die. And that's it. That's the gospel presentation. If I believe it, I'm good. And mm -hmm. the truth is, yeah, that's a part of the gospel. When you think about, again, what Jesus is proclaiming here, it's much bigger than that. It's that mm -hmm. the kingdom of God has come. And what we'll discover is that, yeah, his death does something to me. It frees me so I can live in this kingdom and participate in this kingdom. Mm -hmm. But Again, he's establishing a kingdom which looks very different than the kingdoms of this world. And mm -hmm. that's why it's good news. Because if you're a person living in Israel at this time, in a land occupied by Romans, in a place where you have even local authorities who are lording it over you, who are unjust, who are taxing you, and life is really difficult for you, it's good news to hear that God's actually acting and doing something very different. Mm. Well, and for us today, it has a whole different connotation too, because if Jesus is representing, or as you said, inaugurating God's plan yeah. onto this earth, then it changes how we live. So for us, Melissa, what does it look like to fully understand the good news? Like what does good news mean to most people today? 
So I think for me, the good news does make me think of just the story of Jesus, you know, death, burial, resurrection, and the hope that Jesus offers. And I feel like I was taught that at a young age. But now, like, in hearing the context that actually, like, the good news was talked about, you know, with Augustus and, you know, with these other emperors that came before him, that this language... It's not foreign to the ones who would have been reading this at that time. But to us, like the very first time that I heard the good news and the gospel, I connected it directly to Jesus's life. And how do we share the good news with others? And growing up, I was more under the impression that it was like, oh, then we have to share these three things about what happened to Jesus and then how he forgives us and that we, you know, can walk in this freedom. But now I think it's more about the way that I live out my life and Mm. like that I have hope every day that this good news is bringing me closer to Jesus. It's bringing me closer to God, but then also I'm able to love God and then love others well through it. Mm. So it's definitely changing my perspective. I'll say that. Yeah. And I think that the book of Mark is a good book to do that, to change your perspective on what that means. I mean, even that context of knowing that this would be something that the Roman emperors would use to proclaim things about themselves that are great Mm -hmm. shows that there's nothing magical about this word gospel or good news. There's nothing really, truly religious even about it. Yeah. That's actually subversive in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. This is my point. But it's used to talk about Jesus as the Messiah, right? Mark 1, 1. The good news about Jesus, the Messiah. Messiah is a word that means king, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so it's saying, hey, there's an alternative king who's presenting an alternative gospel. Mm -hmm. But it's good news for very different people than the good news of the Roman emperors, I would say. Right. We'll talk about this more, but I think we oftentimes think of gospel as being a transaction. It's like the code, it's a mathematic, it's an equation, it's something I do and Mm -hmm. say and believe and I'm good. Right. And it's more than that. And then it changes the way we proclaim it. Mm -hmm. It is how we live. I do think it's proclaimed. Jesus is proclaiming it, but it's not like you have to convince people exactly like, Mm -hmm. you know, believe this and Mm -hmm. have these things right in your head. It's just like the way we talk about news in this world. Mm -hmm. It's something you shout. It's something you share. You proclaim, hey, guess what? There's a kingdom here. The kingdom of God is here, and that's good for all of us. Mm -hmm. We probably shout the news a little bit too much these days, probably. That's too often bad news. Yeah. Right. That's what sells. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good themes that are represented in Mark, especially for where our church is at and where our world is at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what themes are you guys most excited about that Mark talks about? Don't give it all away. But Mm -hmm. like, what things even? Yeah, I know. Don't don't (laughs) do that. I I know you love beans, but (laughs) (laughs) keep them in the can. Okay. But what things are you most curious about? So I think when we were kind of walking through this and studying through to figure out the themes that we really wanted to put in the student book, that this idea of who is this man? Who is this man that's doing these miracles and that has come? And there's kind of this mystery behind it, you know? So I can't wait to talk about just like the reasons behind Jesus waiting until he revealed himself and some of those things that come. That's good. Yeah. Interesting. So when I think about what the book of Mark is about, I just can't escape that it's all about someone who comes as king to establish the kingdom of God, but it's so different than the kingdoms of this world. It Mm. subverts the Mm. kingdoms of this world. It confronts them Mm -hmm. in all types, not just political, but every type of power structure and system of injustice that we have in this world, and even our own personal sins, the way those even have power over us. But he confronts these things not in the way that we would confront things in the world. Mm -hmm. He confronts them through an 
act of service, through suffering, through a life of sacrifice and self-denial. And to me then, in the center of the book, when Jesus sort of reveals this about himself, Peter makes this great confession, you're the Messiah. Jesus tells him, here's what the Messiah has got to do, just so you know. Mm -hmm. And then he invites his disciples to follow him, to take up their crosses daily and follow him. I think that means this is how we ought to live too. If we want to change this world, Mm -hmm. if we want to help establish Jesus has inaugurated it. It's our role to help establish his kingdom on earth. Mm -hmm. Then the way we need to do it is by living as he did, lives of service, self-denial, sacrifice, and not trying to meet power with power like we so often do in this world. Mm. No one does that. Yeah, (laughs) Politicians don't do that. People don't do that. That's what he's talking about. It's to me. I guess I'm just, I'm learning this lesson You live in this weird world. I was going to say, you're such a proud, (laughs) powerful human. He has none of those things. Yeah, we all, we all have a lot to learn, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, mine's kind of along the same lines. I love it when people sort of tear down power structures, mm-hmm. especially ones that are unjust. That's one of my things that Mark really confronts well in his portrayal of Jesus. Is Jesus is here to show whether or not these systems we've set up, even in his name, right, mm-hmm. with good intentions, yeah. can be very damaging to what God is actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things that Mark confronts, and we'll get into that a lot later. Mm -hmm. But my other one is this idea of faith and what is faith? Mm -hmm. And can you ever have something truly concrete about faith? There's a mystery that Mark introduces into what we believe and being okay with that ambiguity. And that's something that we'll explore too. Good stuff. Lots of good stuff. You guys ready? Let's mm-hmm. do it. We got 20 days. 19. 19, 19. Now. You're done 19, with down. one day. One down. Mm-hmm. Stick with us. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us for the Journey Through Mark podcast. If this is your first time, we're so glad you checked us out. To check out even more resources, children and family resources, and ebooks for all ages, visit our journey page at willowjourney.org and share your journey experience on social media with the hashtag willowjourney. If you have questions or would like to learn more about the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church, check out willowcreek.org. We'll see you tomorrow.